Well, um, our IT department has me hooked up with a gadget here. And so we're going to try to use this. Um, I'm getting more and more used to it so that we can um, save paper. No, no, that's not really. I mean, that sounds good, but um, actually so we can do a little better job of everybody seeing uh, when I make notes and so forth. So we'll do that in a moment. Um, Before we get into this message today, um, and some of you may already be aware of a little transition that we're doing, and I wanted you to hear it from me first as best as I could. Um, And it's all all good, I think. Um, About nine months ago, actually Easter weekend, we began having Saturday evening services, and we began to have those as kind of an experiment, Um, and we labeled it as such when we started to to perhaps make more room uh, and also to give another opportunity for for, um, people to come here um, to Meadowbrook Church. And we've continued to monitor and review how we do that and to optimize that, maximize it, make it the very best that we could. We put full effort into it, all the effort that we would put into, you know, all the other services as well. And we've had nine months of what I would really would say have been great um, services um, but as we review our efforts, as well as reviewing our um, results and a number of other things, we have made the decision to um, phase out the Saturday night service and uh, to transition and concentrate all of our weekend energies into our Sunday morning um, services. We're going to continue to have Saturday night services through the end of January. And then beginning the first weekend of February, it will be Sunday morning as it is, uh, our times as they are, um, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. So I want you to be real sweet as you welcome some of the Saturday uh, folks back in. Um, Perhaps the greatest consideration in all of this has to do with my family, the families of our uh, staff and volunteers um, who serve and cause a weekend to come together. And there are many, many, many Um, people that are involved in that. Um, Due to the preparation that it takes and the care that we put into a service, we don't just have something pre-printed and you just wind it up and let it go. There's a lot of work, a lot of prayer, a lot of effort that goes into it. And beyond that, a whole lot of people involved in that. And then personally, how I prepare and the, uh, I believe, appropriate seriousness with which I take my call and preparation, um, that takes a lot of time as well. And having the Saturday night services, I've had to give up the only actual free day that I would have with my family that they're, they're out of school uh, to have regularly with them. Plus spreading services out over two different days um, multiplies a lot of things. And to be quite honestly, has taken its toll on me in some various ways, also on my family and some of the other uh, families. And frankly, we're tired. Um, but it's not just about me. It's also about Pastor John and his family, our other pastors, ministers, staff, volunteers, and, and their families. Um, it takes a whole bunch of people to make a service come together. And when we made the shift to go to the Saturdays, I, I just could, I, I'm just so blessed and grateful. Everybody said, all right, we'll, we'll do it and dove in and, and have been doing that. But we've got, you know, all the helps ministry and ushers and greeters and nursery ministry and student ministry and uh, support ministry, technology, production, worship team, just all of those people. And then you have to think also it's not just them, 
not just staff, not just volunteers, but it's also the families that cause the weekends to actually work. And the ultimate consideration then in making this decision is the stewardship, and I want you to hear me on this, the stewardship of our families and also the stewardship of your pastor. And it is my incredible privilege, and I believe my lifelong privilege, uh, to serve as your pastor. And I, uh, my plan is to be your pastor until I die or fly. I might be 116, but if I'm here, I'm still going to be up here, you know. <laughs> uh, let me clarify, I am not 116. But um, just my commitment to this and our commitment as a staff is we want to make sure that we're always doing the very best that we can for you. Continue to lean into that. But we don't want to just do that now. We want to be able to do that over the long haul as well. So I want to thank you in advance for your support, for your prayers, for your uh, understanding as we make the the transition. Help us to spread the word concerning this Um, already on our website, on my blog. And then this week you'll be receiving an e-blast if we have your email. That will have a video or a link to the video that we shot this past week that explains pretty much what I'm explaining now so that you could help uh, spread the word on that. We are tracking at some good trends uh, for growth for this year. And we expect, uh, and I believe that's God's plan for his church, his body to grow. And uh, as that happens this year, we have some plans already in pocket, so to speak, of how to accommodate that on a Sunday. And we just believe that that's going to be more wisdom, more uh, better stewardship of our families and so forth. And so that will be happening. Do not forget that we have um, uh, full ministry to the whole family on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. That's every Wednesday. That's full-blown on Wednesday nights. And then also uh, the Sunday, 9 and 11. And then intranet. Um, there's so many ways that we can minister to you um, in, in that regard. And so I just want to thank you for your understanding, your support, your encouragement uh, towards others. You know, The response has been overwhelmingly just wonderful. Even some people say, I so prefer or this or that. I'll find a way to get to Sunday. I had a, a gentleman tell me this morning, he said, because I want my pastor and I want the staff for the long haul. And so I, I appreciate that. I was very nervous last night to stand up in front of seven, 800 people, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't get nervous for this, um, but I was nervous last night because I didn't know what would happen, you know. And so when I first told them we're going to transition uh, and phase out the Saturday, they're like, oh, you know. And then when I gave them the reasons, you know, the rationale behind it, then they were very, very supportive of that. So I just appreciate that. And uh, we look forward to just fruitful ministry, giving our very best concentrated efforts into the best times. And uh, it was a great experiment. I think we learned a lot. I think a lot of people got touched in that. And uh, this is our next step that we feel is the wise thing to do for, for you, for me, for us, and for the kingdom of God. So I just want to thank you for that. All right. Thank you. I, I do appreciate that. Well, shall we dive into the word this morning? Any believers here? Any doubters here? Um, I believe in some time of prayer and thought, uh, the end of last year leading into this year, I, I just really felt prompted and directed of the Lord that this year was to be kind of emphasized as a year of the heart. So 2012, a year of the heart. And, um, 
a lot of what we do will speak directly to that. And you're going to see some of the importance of that as we go along, especially um, even the message this morning. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, what's it? Your heart, out of it spring the issues of life. So then in the New Living Translation, it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And I want you to notice this. You are to guard your heart. You are to guard your heart. And by heart, I'm not talking about the cardia. I'm not talking about the boom, 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 boom right here. I'm talking about the you, the real you, the spiritual man, person that is on the inside. You are to guard the heart. A lot of that is a mystery to us of really what that is, where that lies. That is the eternal part of you, but very much present. You know, you live actually in an earth suit. The real you is not your body. And when you die, your body falls, your spirit rises. And you right now are housed in that body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. And it's the real you that you're really going to have to guard. Because as scripture says, that heart is the wellspring. That's the fountainhead. And that's where life comes from. As the New Living says, you're to guard it. For it determines the course of your life. So your heart is central. And I want you to notice that it says, guard your heart above all else. There are things that you are to guard, but above all else, you are to guard your heart. And we're going to kind of show you how to do this. And uh, I just really, I really think there's some great takeaway for you even beginning today. All of the impulses, desires, even ideas and motivations actually come from the heart. And that's what I've called this series is from the heart. Some other things come from the heart. In Matthew 15, verse 19, Jesus says, For out of the heart, everybody say, out of the heart. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And lest you exempt yourself from that list in this dispensation of grace, Jesus said this. He said, The commandments say, do not murder. And you say, well, I haven't murdered. He said, but if you've hated somebody. And the commandments say, then you don't commit adultery. And say, well, I haven't done that. So yeah, but if you lust. And the point is this, whether that's actions, motives, desires, whatever. Listen to me. It's coming up out of your heart. It's coming up out of your heart. And you you know, there are times where, let, let me back up. Scripture even says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? speaks. And so you only speak actually what comes up from your heart. And even if you would say, well, I only said that because I heard that in a movie or my friends say that or whatever. That's the only reason that I said it. No, no, no. That's not the reason you said it. They may have influenced. They may have fed that. They may have heard it from them, but you know what? It had to go through your heart for it to come out of your mouth. And so even if it was short term or long term, there are things that get into our heart. They're going to come out of our mouth. They're going to to come up from our heart, flow into our life, and it determines the course and the direction and I believe also the quality of your life. Then the Bible goes on to talk about some things connected to the heart. You're to believe from the heart. You're to forgive from the heart. You're to give as you purpose in your heart. You obey from the heart. I mean, on and on and on. Forgive from the heart. Uh, 
My mom used to line us up, either my brother and I or my sister and I, and make us face each other. Tell her you're sorry. Sorry. I mean, even though that was not from the heart. And then they said, and then she said, tell him you forgive him. Forgive him. That wasn't from the heart. The written transcript, it's all good. But it was not from the heart. I said it was not from the heart. And Jesus even said, you know, you worship me with your lips, but if your heart is far from me, you just wasted your time. And that's why constantly in a service, I'm after you, even with the song that we spent a little time on this morning, make sure this comes from your heart. Virtually every service, we end up at some point lifting our hands to the Lord. And I'll tell you on a lot of occasions, make sure your heart is connected to your hands. This is not just exercise. This is not jazzercise for believers, okay? This, this is from the heart that we connect and then there's life in it. And uh, so it's just so, so vital and scripture has much to say about it. And then in the course of life, you get disappointed sometimes. How many of you ever been disappointed? How many of you have ever been betrayed or burned, as they say? How many of you have ever had something wonderful happen for you? Or you see something wonderful. You get honored or surprised or so you just feel grateful. What do you do when that happens? Typically, a lot of folks will hold their heart. Don't hold their brain. You hold your brain when you're balancing your checkbook. Or you're trying to figure somebody else out. It's like, What? But you hold your heart. Why? Because you, you felt it there. Sometimes you see something wonderful. You, you see a beautiful little baby. and you, Oh. Or you see a not so beautiful little baby. And you, and you go, oh. Just saying. But life flows from the heart. Now think, think this out with me. If your heart has to be guarded, then it must be vulnerable. If it has to be guarded, it must be vulnerable. And and here's the truth. It's extremely vulnerable. You know, last night, uh, we had some freezing weather, bless our hearts. You know, it just lasts a little bit, but, but some of us are real, uh, panicky about our outside plants and stuff. Alicia and I, we're horrible with plants. So we make sure that we get plants that look the same if it freezes or not, you know? We want hardy stuff, you know? They say, well, it's made of plastic. Awesome. It just, it's not our gift. Not our gift. And we don't care. But, um, well, there's some folks, you know, you got your dandelions and your petunias and, you know, and it's going to freeze. And so guess what you have to do? You have to guard it because it's vulnerable. But you're not out there wrapping your oak tree or whatever, you know, it, because it's hardy. It, it, but your heart, as strong as your heart is, it's incredibly vulnerable. And scripture tells us that it must be guarded. And you must guard your heart. And I hope you will see the responsibility of that today. The word for guard comes from the Hebrew here in the Old Testament. It means to protect, maintain, watch, monitor. Protect, maintain, watch, monitor. Alicia and I have five kids. And I remember uh, 
baby shower for our first one, Lee. He was on that video earlier. He's 26 now. And I remember that first baby shower, somebody gave us a nursery monitor. And it was kind of like a walkie-talkie. You know, and you had one you set in the baby's room or wherever the baby was, and the other one you took with you out in the, the kitchen or, you know, in your bedroom or wherever you were. And what was that for? It was to monitor so I could keep an eye on, I could listen. As technology's gone on, you know, ours was just this little scratchy walkie-talkie. Did you hear that? I don't know what I heard, you know. it pick up truckers going by, <laughs> it's a miracle our baby can talk, you know. And two days old and... Good buddy. And, um, and, and now, you know, you can watch them. There's, you know, video and so forth uh, where you keep an eye on them. But, but why? Why do you have to monitor the baby? Because they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable. And so we have to guard and watch and maintain and monitor our hearts because it is vulnerable. That's where your life comes from. Church, hear me. That's where your life comes from. And your thoughts, your words, your actions, your motives, all of those things are flowing from your heart and they're either going to create blessing or they're going to create consequence. I'm much more interested in blessing for you and for me. Now, let's try to use our gadget here for a moment here. Um, the contents... Let me just tell you, my grandmother, if she were still alive, she said, that's a demon. There's... First place we've got to guard our hearts is our contents. The contents, what gets in to our hearts? Because your contents determine the condition. Condition. Oop, hold on. Hold on. Just, just. Everybody say the contents of my heart determine the condition of my heart. And then the condition of my heart. And listen, you, your heart is, and you know, I'm not just talking about the ba-boom, ba-boom. Your heart, you, the condition of your heart. That's not a standalone thing. That is determined by what is in your heart, what got into your heart. So the contents determine the condition. And then the condition, the condition colors. I know I'm out of control. The condition of your heart, get this now, colors how you interpret life, how you see things, how you read things, how you hear things, how you misread things. And so sometimes in life, because of the contents of my heart, your heart, there's a condition that's created. And that condition of my heart then colors how I interact with you, how I read you. It, you know, if you're, if you're cynical... You don't believe people. You don't believe things. That's a heart condition. And you now see and hear things. It gets colored for you because of the contents, the condition of your heart. It now colors it. If you're defensive all the time, if you're accusatory all the time, if you're impure, 
You know, whatever it would be, that, does, that didn't just happen. If you're negative all the time, that's why well, my dad was negative, my grandpa was negative. Yeah, and you caught what they got. And it's not just a hereditary thing. You can guard your heart. You can help your heart so that we actually, it colors your world better. You can see and hear things in, in a much, much better way. Are you, are you with me so far? Now, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells a parable. And the majority of Jesus' ministry, his teaching, was in parable form. Metaphors, similes. Uh, he told stories. And the thing about the stories where there are layers and layers and layers of truth and application in that. And the great thing was everybody that would hear the parable could get something from it. And they would hear on different levels. And everybody could somehow find themselves in that story, in that parable. And then Jesus shares this parable and there's something unique about this one. It's called the parable of the sower. But I actually prefer to call it the parable of the soils. Because we're going to see four different soils, but we only see one sower. And I think the point is more about the soils. And so let's go ahead and pick up in Mark chapter 4. The first part of that chapter, Jesus tells the parable. And then he's coming back now to explain it to his disciples and also to us. So Mark chapter 4, we'll pick up in verse 13. And he said to them, watch this carefully. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So this parable is important. Come on, I said this parable is important. Because much of Jesus, most of what Jesus taught, he taught in parable form. And he said, if you don't get this one, you're not going to get the rest. I'm pretty convinced that in algebra class, and you know, I missed part of a week early on in the school year. I think that was my problem. If you didn't get that, you're not going to get the rest. Actually, there were other problems. How then will you understand all the parables? In verse 14, it says, the sower sows the word. In the original parable earlier in the chapter, he said that the sower went out and he sowed seed. Now Jesus is clarifying what he meant. And he said that the seed that the sower was spreading, was sowing, was actually the word. He goes on then. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the seed is sown. The word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown, help me, in their hearts. Say it again. In their hearts. So the ground, the soil, is actually our hearts. Bear that in mind. Let's let's finish reading this real quick. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. This is the second type of soil here. Who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Everybody say good ground. And by good ground, good soil, this is, this is a heart that's receptive here. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And so this is an important parable. We've got to get the truths of this. We're just going to grab one or two things this morning from it. And the soil is the heart. 
So here's the principle that you've got to get. Make sure that we get this this morning. The soil will try to grow whatever gets planted in it. The soil will try to grow whatever gets planted in it. Do we have any farmers or gardeners here today? They came earlier, I guess. I am a uh, retired gardener myself. And uh, we'll save that for another time. But you're out there, you've prepared the soil and you're sowing seed. And let's say you're planting a certain whatever in this row and you happen to get distracted or something happened and you flip some seed over into another area. And even though you've got a little sign that says green beans right here, I promise you if a green bean landed over there, it doesn't need a sign to grow. And so whatever gets planted in the soil, the soil is going to try to make it grow. You know, uh, Marion County, we have over 900 horse farms in our county. And there are a lot of fences. And with those fences are fence posts. And when you plant a fence post, and I know they can treat them and so forth, but it doesn't last forever. But you take a wooden fence post and you plant it. And the one you see on the screen there, you know, all you're seeing is it's weathered, it's worn, but that's above the soil. But below the soil, you've seen it, I've seen it. It rots. Why does it rot? Because it got planted in the soil and the soil is trying to make it grow. And so in our hearts, some things grow and some things rot. And it's trying to, whatever it gets in there, it's going to try to make it grow. It supplies nutrients and moisture and pH and, and all the different things that come together in a certain range of temperature that it insulates and holds. And it's trying to make it grow. Also, have you ever seen a Coke bottle, pop bottle, soda bottle, wherever you're from, that, that got buried somehow? And you find it and... You dig it up and it's scorched, it's bleached, it's pocked. Why? Because it got planted. And the soil tried to do what with it? Tried to make it grow. And it supplied all these things. You're going to grow. You're gonna, and, it, and it wouldn't grow, but it had an impact on it. And here's the thing. Your heart is soil. And whatever gets planted in the soil of your heart, your heart is going to try to make it grow. Everything that it's, uh, it's about, that's just what it does. Something gets in your heart, something gets in the soil, it's going to try to make it grow. So guess what? And this is going to, this is going to sound real old-fashioned, but listen to me. This is save your life. You can't listen to the lyrics of the world all the time. We can't just watch every movie. We can't just read everything. We can't be involved in every conversation. We can't expose ourselves to just anything out there. Oh, come on, relax. We've got to relate with the world. You know, there's a way to relate. And there's a way also to guard your heart. Because I'm telling you, there's some, you know, there's some places I can't go, some things I can't hear, I can't see. And you say, well, you can't live like that. We'll talk about that in a moment. You know, we don't just live in Tupperware, but we've got to guard our hearts. I've heard things before in a song and it's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be singing that. I don't want to be saying that. And I'm singing, shake my booty and something, you know, and it's like, what? Because let me tell you something. The abundance of the heart 
Mouth's going to speak. It's going to flow from your life. How many of you remember Jimmy the Greek? And there are countless others, newscasters, sportscasters, public figures who could put on a persona just so long and say everything right. And then all of a sudden, something came out of their mouth. And where did that come from? It came out of their heart. And you know what? I, I can never disgrace the pulpit of the gospel of Jesus Christ or, or impact people in the wrong way because I don't guard my heart. I, I can't say some things. Well, it's your off time. I can't say it. I can't hear it. And if I do, I got to get it out of me because listen, anything that gets in your heart, your heart is going to try to make that thing grow in your life. Are you with me? And you say, well, good. I'm not the pastor. I don't have to worry about it. Yes, you do. Because it's your life flowing out of your heart. And you can't just listen. You just can't watch. You just can't be involved. You can't be exposed to everything that the world does because you have to guard your heart. And a big part of guarding your heart is guarding what gets planted in your heart. You know, it's the contents that determine the condition. So the first thing we've got to do is guard what gets planted in our heart. And the second part is this. You ready? Is to guard what takes root. We've got to be careful that the right things get planted and be, and do our best. And listen to me, you can do your best, but things are still going to get in the soil. So it's not just, oh, wow, that got into my heart. But now what you have to do now is make sure that it doesn't start to grow some roots and get it out of there. Amen. Amen. Now, let me show you real quick here. If this is our heart and it's soil. And things happen in the course of a day, in the course of a life. Somebody says something to you. Somebody criticizes you. Somebody hurts your feelings. You get exposed to some bad something. You flip the channel and wished you hadn't. You know, you got all these things going. And you know what? You don't just say, oh, wow, I'm a mess now. No, you don't leave it there. Because if you leave it there, here's what happens. It starts to grow roots. And then if you continue to leave it there before long, guess what? It's sprouting up. It's sprouting up out of of your heart and out of your life. We've we've got to be super careful of this. Now, let me go ahead and show you another way to do this. That'll clear it in a minute. Man, that's a nasty looking heart right there. Okay. There, cleared. All right, good. Let's say that uh, somebody says something hurts your feelings. Hebrews talks about you've got to be careful. There's a grace. And if you bypass that grace, then this is going to be a root of bitterness. And it's going to spring up and it's not just going to hurt you. It's going to poison other people. So as soon as you're aware, listen, folks, as soon as you're aware, oh, something got into my heart. I I wish we had baby monitors for all of us, you know, like heart, heart monitor. Whoa, whoa, what's going on in there? As soon as something gets in there, you got to get it out of there. I got to forgive. I, I've got to, I've got to do this. Or, you know, you heard something, you really, oh, now that song's going through your heart or that image is in your head. Don't let it, don't let it stay there. As soon as we can, we're going to have to, to get it out of there. So the first place we guard our hearts is we do our best. Listen, everybody say your best. You just do your best to guard yourself. Just be careful. 
and be intentional about, I can't let that in my heart. I can't let that in my heart. But then you're always going to have to go to the next level. And that is, oh, it's in my heart. I can't let it just lay there. I'm going to have to get this out. And the Holy Spirit will help you with this. And a daily walk with God will help you with this. And the light of the word of God will help you with this. And coming to church regularly will help you with this. And then if you're already in third stage, and that is it's, it's rooted really pretty good. And I've got some growth out of this thing. We're going to be dealing with that. Find out how to uproot that. And then if, in fact, it's gone beyond just a little plant and a little bush, and it's actually a tree. How many of you know there's some people, not in this service, but in the earlier service? It's not just a tree. It's a sequoia. Well, then we need to flag that thing, mark that thing, to chop it down and grind the root. And the other thing you need to do, if that's the case, is you do not need to miss the rest of this series. This past week, I don't know, Monday or Tuesday, early in the morning before 4 o'clock in the morning, Alicia and I could hear something scratching in the wall. And I thought, what on earth? So I got up and assumed kung fu position. I don't know kung fu, but no one would know that by the liquidity of my movements. But, um, and the eye of the tiger. I'm sorry. Let me get back on track. We heard the scratching. I thought, what, what is that? And Lee said, yeah, I heard that too. So I'm putting my ear to the wall and I'm all alert. I'm just watching. I'm listening. I can't really locate it. It seems to be coming from this corner. My daughter's room is up above that. Maybe there's something in her closet. I can't seem to find this. So I go up there and I check her closet looking in case we have any critters to see if there was any evidence of them. I didn't didn't see anything. I looked around. So I came to work that day. And one of the guys on staff, Bert, he knows everything regarding wildlife, survival, anything like that. So I told Bert, uh, I said, you got to help me out on this. What do you think it is? And he said, you know what? And our house is block. And then we have vinyl siding. And I found that it was actually in that corner. I found little, little, well, evidence. And, um, and he said, you know, there's different types of mice and rats that will get up in there. He said, I'll get you the stuff for it. I said, okay. So about midday, he brings me this bucket and it's these little purple blocks. And, and, uh, he said, you, you put them near them. He said, they'll love it. They'll eat it and they'll be gone. And, uh, if you're a mouse and rat lover, as for me and my house, we're not. Okay. So, <laughs> so I had it. And as soon as I got home from the office, I went out to that corner, <laughs> peeling off the lid and I reach in there and I get one of those and kind of stuff it up in the, uh, in the siding. I get another one and I put it in there and I'm like, <laughs> mess with me. Put the lid on and in big letters right on top of the litter, don't touch this stuff. Okay, now you're laughing at me, but here's my point. Sometimes we touch some stuff, we get some stuff in us, and instead of going and taking care of it, and I promise you, as soon as I saw that, I like, you know, and I washed, and I washed, and I washed, and got under the nails, and I washed. I didn't go shake hands, read books, change the baby. Well, we don't have a baby. Cook the meal. I didn't do that. But you know, a lot of people do. We touch, we get contact, we get content from something in the world. 
And we just leave it on. Wow, poisoned now. And what we need to do is make tracks. Make tracks and get that out. Get that out. Get that out because it's only going to get worse. And so the first place that we guard our hearts is content. Guard what could come into my heart. And we're going to do our best, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, in the world we're in, we are outnumbered. We are surrounded. We are media saturated, incoming all the time. And there are things that are going to get into your heart. I pray that you'll walk close with God. Be filled with his spirit. Walk in the light of his word so that you have that monitor to know, whoa. And that you'll want to get that out of your life as quick as you can. Confess it before God. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Cast down imaginations. Change your thoughts. Sing a new song. Tell somebody, pray, and get it out. Get it out of the soil of your heart. Because listen, the contents of your heart determine the condition of your heart. And the condition of your heart is going to color how you see, how you hear, how you interpret, how you read, how you misread the world, the events, and things that are going on around you. Now let me share one thing with you, a little story real quickly. True. In Luke 23... We find Jesus being crucified. Scripture is very clear. You can go ahead and go. Scripture is very clear that Jesus was crucified between two criminals. Y'all with me? And it says between them. There's one on the right and one on the left. And there in front of the cross, you've got the crowd mocking and scorning Jesus. You've got the soldiers mocking and scorning Jesus, gambling over his clothes, posting a sign on his cross, King of the Jews. And the one criminal on the one side, he's watching this. Guess what? He's seeing and hearing. He's watching all of this going on. He's probably looking at Jesus. Nobody's talking to him. You're condemned to die. You're a a, a criminal, a thief. No one's paying attention. All the attention's on Jesus. He's watching this. He's listening to, to this. And in the New Living Translation, it says that that criminal turned to Jesus and said, so you're the Messiah, huh? Other translations said that he blasphemed Jesus. He said, so if you're the Savior, if you're the Messiah, why don't you save yourself and save us too? On the other side of Jesus, on that other cross, is another criminal. And he speaks around and he says, man, don't you have any fear of God? You're under the same condemnation. And I'll add to it. And he said, you're running your mouth. Now, let me go back over here to this guy. There's something about the condition of his heart from the contents of his heart. That now so colors how he sees and hears things. That all he can do is mock and be cynical and blaspheme the son of God. But over on the other side, this other criminal, he says then to Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Now listen, he's a criminal condemned to die by crucifixion. I don't think he was probably the best guy on the street, but there was something good in his heart. They helped him to be able to see and hear. There's a savior right there. He got a revelation. And when there's part of your heart, and hopefully all of your heart, that gets it and connects and colors things right, 
Guess what you'll get? You'll get a revelation. And we need a revelation. And guess what? For that guy, good time to get a revelation. Nailed to a cross. Get this. Suspended between two destinies. Suspended between two eternities. And his heart organized a prayer. And he ended his day in paradise. Your heart. Guard your heart. Because it's going to determine the course of your life. Of your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, your Friday, your Saturday, and your eternity. Your heart's going to determine the course of that. It's your responsibility. I'll do everything I can do to help you, but I'm not with you. But the Holy Spirit is with you. And the Word of God is with you. And you are with you. And it's your responsibility. And it should be your supreme effort and desire. And I'm going to guard my heart. And I'll end with this. Because the contents, what I allow and what I allow to stay in my heart, is going to determine the condition of my heart. And the condition of my heart is going to color how I see and hear and interpret life. And whether I not get, whether or not I get some revelation, it's really going to give me the course of life that God desires for me. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.